I'm so excited about where we're headed, and I can tell you that, let me say this. Let me not say this yet. Let me, we'll come back to this. I, wanna, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 12. Deuteronomy chapter 12, please. Verses 3 and 4, I'm going to begin reading this today. Everybody say this with me, scepter of justice. I'm going to be talking about the scepter of justice this morning. So last week was one of those amazing times when we, there was a lot of healing, a lot that happened in our time last week. I had come in with a, with a word that Holy Spirit had given me. Actually, it was a word that had developed over amount of time and I was very excited about that particular word but we got here and Alex Darnell was playing the guitar but he stepped out spontaneously and he said I want to bring evidence of the church my church today and he stepped out and he began to speak and, and testify of the goodness of God and then following that Tim Carney and others began to step out and share their evidence and when as soon as Alex stepped out I knew everything that was in me that Holy Spirit had put in me for that time was not, was not going to happen. It was not time. And I was excited about it. I was prepared for that, but I knew it wasn't right. And out of that evidence, out of that spontaneity, what Yahweh did in this house last Sunday was, was supernatural. It was supernatural. Amen? If you missed that, it will be online this week, but if you missed that, I encourage you to watch that. So... So my thought was, today as I was driving in, and, and, or I got up this morning, and there's a lot of thoughts, I won't share all of them, but I was, my plan, my purpose was, well, if Yahweh gave me that word for last Sunday, it's still a good word for this Sunday, and he wants that to be out, and if you knew the content of what he had given me, you would understand why I would think that. But then when I got up this morning, he said, no. He said, that isn't what it is. In fact, he said, that was then and this is now. And I literally got up and in 21 years, almost 20, well, it has been 21 years, close. 21 years here in Central Florida, I can tell you on Sunday morning, every single Sunday for 21 years, I go to my office early in the morning and I go there and I prepare, I put myself, separate myself from everybody simply so I can be prepared for what Holy Spirit might want to do in the service, not be distracted by other things. And I've done that faithfully. Probably not, if I'm in town and I'm preaching, there's probably not been five times, that might even be more, maybe not three times in 20 years, 21 years, that I've not gone to my office first. And then I drive come here or drive here, it depends on what season it was in, for service. This morning when I got up and Holy Spirit was speaking these things to me, I went into the kitchen, to the dining area, and I went and I sat down and I pulled out my computer and, and Holy Spirit began to speak and He said, not today, not today. And uh, there was a reason for that, but I, things had to be broken, things had to be changed. And whether that's a permanent thing or not, I don't know. Um, to you, it's probably of disinterest, but to me, it's of great interest because for me, that is something that has been such a part of my life for so many, two decades, that to suddenly take a different course is, is, it's unusual. And I'm a person of habit while at the same time I'm not. There's my right side is very habitual. My left side is very spontaneous. 
So I don't know, somehow that gets blended. But, um, but my right side has functioned predominantly between 5.30 in the morning and 8.30 in the morning on Sunday mornings. And um, so it was different. And I'm telling you all of this because of where I'm headed. So when Holy Spirit told me what I was to speak about today, I knew and know that it is a culmination of what happened last week. It was to further bring evidence of what occurred last Sunday when we were gathered here. If you were not here, again, I'm just telling you, last Sunday was supernatural. I would say this to everybody. You know, be careful that you never come to the place where you see our assembly as just another thing in the week. If you recognize that the assembly is a place where the Father really brings us together to do things with one another, for one another, in one another, with His anointing. If we get that, we know that when we come together, you, can always, have, you always have an expectation that somehow today, my life is going to be changed. Even if I didn't think it needed changing, somehow today my life is going to be changed. Amen? So I want to talk this morning about the scepter of justice. I'm going to begin by reading Deuteronomy chapter 12, verses 3 and 4 says this. says, For I will proclaim the name of the Lord and ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. His work is perfect, for all His ways are justice. A God of faithfulness. Everybody say, A God of faithfulness and without iniquity. Just and upright is he. You don't have to say that. Just and upright is... Yeah, say that. Just and upright is he. I'm going to read it one more time. For I will proclaim the name of the Lord, and I will ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. His work is perfect for all his ways. Everybody say all. All God's ways are filled with justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is He. You know, people would argue this. They would argue this. Maybe in this room, maybe watching. There's people that would argue, this situation in my life did not look like justice. This did not look like justice. This thing that happened to my friend doesn't look like justice. This thing going on around the world doesn't look like God's justice. So how is He always a God of justice, when all of these things exist around me. Well, a lot of times, all the time, the Father is going to bring justice to every situation. So justice is always present. The challenge is, for mankind, is to accept that sometimes that justice that He is full of has to be poured out on our Lack of good choices. When we're the recipient of justice, it doesn't look like the goodness of God. Does anybody get what I'm talking about? When somehow I feel like something, things are happening around me, a lot of times we're blaming God or questioning why God's doing this or we're blaming the devil. It's not the devil's fault and it's not even God's fault. It's simply that we are making decisions that require justice to be administered. You get this. So, 
Recently, my wife and I were on a trip, and we were visiting a particular friend. And in visiting this friend, it was a word to me to go and to see this particular person and uh, to reestablish whatever might have been lost in a season, Um, not because he didn't like me, I didn't like him, or they didn't like us, we didn't like them, but simply because in the process of time, sometimes things change and they shift and you find yourself out of communication with people who are valuable and important in your life. And Holy Spirit uh, really pressed me to go see a group of men, a number of men, a number of places over a period of five weeks, which my wife and I refer to as the journey. And this place was the second place that I was going to, and my wife went with me. Well, we get to this place where we're headed, and we're driving over. It was a nine-hour drive, and I can tell you that Anytime I'm driving more than eight hours, I'm already, it's just not, I just don't, I'm not a driving kind of guy. I drive all the time. I never let my wife drive if I'm in the truck. Not because she's a bad driver. I'm still of the old school. The man drives. And I wish it was still the new school. But the man drives. I don't, I, you know, let me just get on a soapbox for a second. Please don't ever let me see you letting your wife or uh the woman drive. Please don't let me see that. I'm going to question your manhood. I really am. I'm going to question how much you love her. What did he say? Well, since I'm on the soapbox, we're going to edit this out of the service probably. But I'm going to deliver some justice. So since we're on the subject, it's still, is it not still right for a man to open the door for a woman? And why didn't you, somebody? You know, I can tell you that my wife loves that I want to drive. She loves that I want to open the door. I still open the door to the vehicle to let her in and then shut the door behind her. We've been married, we're going on 29 years in a couple of months. And I still open the door to the vehicle for my wife in the same way I did when we first started seeing each other. Unless she beats me too. If it's raining, she'll outrun me and she'll get there first. But I still do that. And you know what? Men, I'm gonna, can I just inject this? You want to keep love alive? Treat her like a lady. You want to keep it alive? Treat her like a lady. Make her, make her believe with all her heart, this man wants to cover me. He wants to take care of me. Not that you couldn't do it yourself. There's no, it's opening doors for a woman or driving a car for the lady and and ushering her around has nothing to do with questioning a lady's ability to be strong and and be able to do that. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with, man, we have a responsibility, folks. Men, we have a responsibility. Can we, that's, I'm just giving justice right now. Ladies, let me say this. The next time your husband or your boyfriend lets you drive, 
or doesn't open the door for you, ask him, what did I do to you to make you mad? Where did you get, when did you get disappointed in me? Go ahead and ask. Today when y'all leave church and y'all are going home, it's going to be interesting out in the parking lot. We put cameras out there to catch all of the activity that's going on. Well, there are moments, and I mean, when we're driving through Atlanta, I let her drive. <laughs> My wife will tell you, because listen, I'm a guy, I can sleep on a bed of nails. You, if I sit still for five minutes, I will knock out. My wife laughs because I will sit. In fact, she came home yesterday from somewhere she went. I was sitting out. It was hot outside. I was sitting out there, and I, my head was back. I, I woke myself up snoring. And uh, I'm, it, was, it was more like a grunt. It was more like a, and it woke me up. But I woke myself up. But she will tell you, when we would travel all the time, it would always seem that I was wide awake when we were driving through the outer limits of the big cities. But by the time we got there, it would be like, man, I... I I mean, I would, I would, yeah, I would drive during those times, and I'd be like, man, I am really tired. And she would say, you need some sleep? I need some sleep. And we would drive through Atlanta or one of those big cities, and then I'd be like, I'm awake now. <laughs> she would say, you always let me drive through the big cities. There are moments. But, man, I'm just telling you, look for your moments to administer manly justice. Not justice. You'll understand the difference between justice and judgment in a minute. Justice isn't about saying I'm better than you. Justice is saying, I have a role, you have a role, our responsibilities are different. And I'm going to cover you, and I want you to feel protected by me every second of the day. Amen? If my wife is ever going to get in a wreck and I'm in the car, I want to be the one responsible. I don't want her to carry that. I'm just using something. I just threw that out there. It's just... But anyway, so Kim and I were driving on this long drive, and I drove all the way. And about halfway there, we were supposed to go somewhere the next week, and I was driving to that place, and it was 12 hours away. And a couple of the men in the house went with me on that trip. And I said to my wife, I said, we were about four hours into this drive. I said, I am not driving 12 hours next week. So we rearranged that. But we were on our way to this place. And on our way there, there were some things that were going on in, in our life that... Uh, we're, we're very, probably not unlike things you go through, but that were challenges, not between her and me, but in our life as a whole with decisions that had to be made, some uncertainties that were there, and things needed to be done. And it wasn't, thing, it wasn't something that could, you could simply wait on and wait out. It was something, decisions needed to be made right away. Has anyone ever felt that way about something in your life? And we did not have an answer for it. We had considered all the entire drive. We'd considered all the things. We had no idea what Yahweh was setting us up for. Had no idea. And um, the entire drive, we're considering these options, these choices. What can we do? Can we do this? No, that's not right. We can't do that. That's not right. And, and it was just challenges, you know, just some things we had to, had to address. So we get to this place, and when we're there, I sit down with this friend of mine, ours, and we're sitting there with them, and we had been with them for maybe an hour and a half, two hours. We ate breakfast, and then we, we were um, 
went to their office. And when we were at their office, we're sitting in there and they had this instrument that was in there. And, and I don't remember if it was my wife or me, but one of us asked, said, um, it was my wife. She said, what is that? And he said, that's a scepter. And she said, what? Of what? What do, we, what do you mean a scepter? And he said, that's a scepter of justice. Immediately, both of our antennae we're like, what does that mean? You know, because I'm very interested in things that are opportunities to understand deeper things. And he began to explain to us what the scepter of justice was. And it was at one time, this is interesting, he showed us a photograph of this thing that had the handle of a sword. But the sword had been cut off, and in its place there was uh, some artwork, some welded, molded artwork that they had put on there out of, I don't know, steel or whatever it was, but it was, it was beautiful, I mean just beautiful, in the place of that sword. And, and he said, what we did was, this is what it used to be. And it used to be a sword, and it was, it was gorgeous. And the sword had some specific... Um, uh, history to it that was very interesting all by itself, but it represented a judgment. And he said, Holy Spirit had spoken to him and said, this sword represents judgment. So he said, I stood up in church one day and I called the men to come forward in the church. And they came up and we had a saw and we had the men cut the blade off of the sword of judgment. And then they created this thing called the scepter of justice. And he began to explain to us the difference between judgment and justice. And then Kim said to him, after we listened to all of this, she said to him, she said, um, I want to share a situation in our lives. And she did. And she began to share this. And he said, I can tell you right now, you're trying to judge what requires justice. And if you try to judge something that requires justice on your behalf, you're not going to get the right result. What you need, you weren't called to judge, you're called to administer justice. And said, what you need to do is you need to bring justice to this thing. And he said, Steve, what you need to do is you need to hold this thing in your hand and you need to wield that as a scepter of justice. Now, I've never wielded anything that had anything to do with a sword like that. And I said, what does that mean? I don't even know what to do. He said, do what would, what would come naturally to you. I said, I don't, there's nothing natural in me that does hold something like this. And, and, and I'm, we're just kind of going back and forth. And, and I said, all I can think of in my mind is, what I see is different times in history when a king or queen or someone sitting on a throne would hold in their hand the scepter that determined whether something lived or died. And they would lay that down if it were death or they would pound it, whatever they would do if they were to live. Or each motion of that scepter represented uh, an outcome. And so I said, that's all I can think of. He said, well, I want you to do what you believe is the right thing to do. Just wield that scepter of justice. And when you wield it, you need to believe that all the justice that is in God will be administered to the situation you guys are dealing with. And, and I got to tell you, that was really weird to me. It was awkward to me. Um, it was, and I do some unnormal things. And that was odd to me. 
But I took that very uncomfortably, and I held that in my hand, and I stood there, and I thought, maybe if I talk long enough, I can talk my way out of this thing. But I, as I continued to hold it, and the conversation shifted this way and that way, and then at one point, honestly, I thought, oh, it's, the moment has passed, and, and, and not, not for him. He came back, and he said, okay, it's time. And I was like, oh, man. And I took that thing, and I said, all I know to do is this. And I took that, and I began to slice. And I said, I'm slicing through. All I know to do with this is to penetrate and to slice through and remove. And I spoke to that thing, and I said, I administer the scepter of justice, God's justice, to this situation. And, and there was no, no cloud that formed, nothing emotional, nobody cried. Nobody jumped up and down. Nobody said, "Woo!" It was just, I minister this, administer this, scepter of justice over this situation, and Yahweh's justice will prevail. I handed it back to him, put it in the office, and we went and got something to eat. It was that non-eventful, but not to God. Not in the heavens. Not to Yahweh. We pull out of that place. When we're leaving, we're coming home, and already, immediately, my wife gets a text that something shifted. She gets a text that fast, that day, something shifted. And immediately, both of us looked at each other and said, this is the scepter of justice. This is the scepter of justice. So, let me explain some things to you about this. First of all, its authority is not established by the one who holds it, but it is by the one who authorized it. See, sometimes we come into something and we want to deal with situations in our lives. We want to deal with issues or circumstances or situations that are in our lives and we want to accept that we have all authority to do this thing but the authority is really not with the one who holds the scepter it's the one who authorized it and we've we've got to draw on that and we have to be willing to say like I did with that scepter you know what I don't this is a really a weird thing to me I don't get it I don't even see it it's really strange but I'm simply going to do what you believe is right and, and my wife believed it was right and I took that thing and I did it and the outcome came from the one who issued the authority who made that who who allowed justice to be delivered so its authority is not established by the one who holds it but instead by the one who authorized it and then I want to bring your attention to the difference between judgment and justice you know the difference in the United States I'll use this as an example in the United States, the difference between a judge and a justice, you've heard of them and you know that the judge is in the court and the justice is in the court. What makes, what's the difference between a judge and a justice? It is this. A judge is elected. A justice is appointed. They are selected. They have the same qualities, the same qualifications. They could have all of that. The only difference, that's why on the Supreme Court, they don't call them the judges of the Supreme Court. They are the justices of the Supreme Court of the United States because they are appointed. They are not elected. A judge is someone who is elected. A justice is appointed. A justice is someone who has demonstrated to those appointing something stands out. It's not left up to popular opinion. It's not left up to whatever the political atmosphere is at the time. See, there's an appointee. There's a time, there's a moment... I'm placing this one in that position. They're not going to be elected. That is the difference between judges 
and justices. So what does it look like? I want to read to you the book of, out of the book of Daniel. I want to read to you a story about Daniel that I think is very interesting and worth bringing attention to. In Daniel chapter 6 verse 10, turn with me there if you would please. And while you're turning, let me say this. In our lives, in each of your lives, you have opportunity today. In fact, I'm going to say this boldly today. There are things and circumstances in in lives today in this building or watching online. There are circumstances that you are dealing with today that today justice will be administered. And you've been waiting for a long time for judgment to come. And judgment hasn't been the answer. Justice has. Judgment has not been what you've needed. You've needed justice. Justice always ends the right way. Judgment doesn't. Justice by the nature of what it is comes out right. So, in Daniel chapter 6 verse 10 says, When Daniel knew that the document had been signed. Let me back up before I read the rest of this. So what happened is Daniel is with King uh, Darius in, in this story. And In this time, the king loves Daniel. They had come to grow a relationship. Uh, King Darius had come to trust Daniel and made him a governor over satraps. And and he was really just being promoted more and more and more every day because he had set him, the scriptures before the one I'm going to read, talk about how he had set himself apart. He was excellent in everything that he did. And so it was he was aware, the king was aware, and he knew this man is an advantage to me, and I like him. I like this guy. So he began to promote him, and, and he began to grow. Well, in the process of that relationship, they really became more than simply a king and a governor, became a relational situation where they were, it was, they were very good friends. They cared about one another's life, not just the job that they did, but also their life. I need you to get that with me. There had come a point in the relationship that the job they were doing wasn't as important as one looking out for the life of the other. So it wouldn't have mattered how one might have failed. The other was going to do what was necessary to make sure that that one that had failed still lived on. They weren't looking for a way to tear one another down. So in Daniel, when we get to this place, something happens, and all these little satraps or satraps, however you want to pronounce it, and uh, these others that were very jealous of Daniel's relationship, I'm paraphrasing, but very jealous of Daniel's relationship with King Darius. Very jealous. They didn't like it. They didn't like that he got the attention. They didn't like that King Darius wanted to hang out with, with, with Daniel. Didn't like it at all. So they begin to devise a plan. How can we get rid of this Daniel? And they schemed up, I'm leaving a lot of details out, but they schemed up this little plan and they said to the king, they went to him and said, you know, we've noticed that there are people without mentioning Daniel, but there are people who refuse to bow down and worship you. And that's just not right, king. It makes you look bad when people don't bow down and worship you. So we suggest that you issue a decree. Anyone who does not bow down and worship you, or if they bow down and worship anything or anyone else, then they'll die. And they had said this in such a way that it moved the king and he 
wrote the decree. If anyone in this kingdom bows down to anyone else, and you know the story, but bows down to anyone else other than me, they will be put to death. So then what they did was, knowing what Daniel did, and this is Daniel chapter 6, knowing what Daniel did, they put things in place to find him doing what he always did. Say this with me. They found him doing what he always did. Are you ever found doing what you always do? We'll come back to that. So when Daniel knew, Daniel 6.10, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and he prayed and he gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Now, if you don't read this carefully, you're going to miss something. It's going to appear that the first, the last statement, as he had done previously, doesn't exist. It's going to appear that because the document had been signed, Daniel went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem and he got down on his knees three times a day and he prayed and he gave thanks before his God. It's going to appear suddenly David went to his chamber, got down on his knees three times a day praying, don't let this thing happen. But he did not do that. The rest of the scripture makes it plain that David did this, but he didn't change what he was doing. He was doing what he had done over and over and over again, every single day, David went and David prayed to God and David did what's before that phrase, he gave thanks. Now, in a situation like this, Daniel, knowing, if I'm caught, praying to my God, they're going to throw me in the lion's den if I get caught. But Daniel knew, I only know how to serve my God one way. And I'm going to be faithful when I up, get up in the morning, when I lay down at night. I'm going to be faithful every minute of the day, no matter what it is that I'm dealing with. And David didn't go to his chamber, and David didn't shut his windows and then kneel down and then pray and pray quietly. David went to his chamber. He opened his windows, prayed toward Jerusalem, looking out toward Jerusalem three times a day. Giving opportunity, not on purpose. He didn't set out and say, oh, I'm going to show them how courageous I am. I'm going to show them how bold I am. I'm just going to pray louder and I'm going to pray longer and I'm going to whatever. He didn't do that. He simply did what he had done previously. He stayed the course. Because the God that had been faithful to him before, he knew would be the God that would be faithful to him again. The circumstances were different. What appeared to be a judgment would have been a final judgment. Nevertheless, David or Daniel was not shaken. Daniel went to his room, opened his windows, looked toward Jerusalem, got down on his knees, and he prayed, and he did that three times a day. I don't believe for a second Daniel looked out his window and he said, God, they're after me. I just want to bring your attention to something. All the satraps are scheming against me. God, I'm going to die if you don't deliver me. God, where are you? Yahweh, I need you to show up. Send 10,000 angels and wipe them out. David didn't do that. 
I mean Daniel. Daniel did exactly what Daniel had done before. In fact, Daniel didn't do any of that cursing everybody else, speaking evil about anybody else. What Daniel did was he did what he had always done and he went and he got down on his knees and gave thanks. Thanks for what? Thank you, Father. You're such a wonderful God. I just love that I'm right in the middle of all of this. This is probably the best situation I could have ever imagined for myself. I'm about to be eaten by lions. I'm going to be the best meal they have ever had. Thank you. little spice, please. It's not what Daniel did. Daniel did what Daniel always did, and Daniel went and he gave thanks. He opened those windows and he gave thanks. He didn't do it louder. He didn't do it longer. He did what he had always done. He was consistent. He was faithful. He stayed the course. He was not shaken. He was not moved. Was there any fear in him? Maybe. I mean, when you think about teeth, being eaten alive is probably the last way I want to go. I've watched National Geographic. I've seen how it happens. I don't want that for me. I can't imagine that not being on his mind, and yet he gave thanks. He gave thanks. Let's talk about this for a second. So if Daniel did what Daniel had done previously, he knows that going into that lion's den, the judgment is that the lions are going to eat you, they're going to devour you, and we will have to worry about Daniel no more. The rest of the story, I'm going to paraphrase it this way. If you don't know the story, you probably do. But if you don't know the story, he gets thrown into the lion's den. Daniel gets down there, he pets him, he loves on him, he says, good kitty. Whatever he said. He gets down there. Does what he did every day. Doesn't get eaten. When the king comes to find out whether Daniel is alive or dead, he even had some thought. I just believe this guy might still be alive. And he calls out to him. Daniel, has your God delivered you? (laughs) Daniel, you know that dude you pray to three times a day in that open window that you were giving thanks to? Daniel, has your God delivered you? King, I'm still here. Let's go to Denny's. <laughs> no, he didn't. God has never eaten at Denny's, I assure you. But he pulls, that, he pulls Daniel out of that lion's den. And then all of those who brought accusation against Daniel, who schemed to have him killed, the king threw them in. And scripture says that before they hit the bottom of the lion's den, the lions had already devoured them. They didn't even make it to the floor. Threw those men and their children and their wives, their entire families into that den. They never hit the floor. And scripture says the lions had devoured them. Let me tell you what the difference is. See, what the natural was looking for was judgment. Those satraps, those who were opposed to Daniel, I don't know why I want to call him David, but they were looking for judgment. They wanted to figure out, man, how can we end this guy? But Daniel wasn't interested in judgment. Daniel knew that his God was a God of justice. And he knew that at the end, justice would prevail. No matter what it looked like, it would have been justice had David been eaten. Because if that's what the father decided was right for the moment, he would have caused that moment to be a demonstration in some way. We'll never know. 
All we know was where man is always looking for judgment, the Father is looking for an opportunity to issue justice. And when there is a Daniel's scepter of justice wasn't the wielding of a cut-off sword that had been redecorated to look like something else. Daniel's scepter of justice was his willingness to go and to stay the course and to do what he had always done to open his window. All I know to do, what I could do is lay on my bed and say, woe is me. I'm going to die tomorrow. They've won. But not Daniel. Daniel went and he opened the windows and he looked toward Jerusalem and he prayed and he did it the way he had always done it. He didn't change anything. He didn't change how loud he was, how long he went. He did what he had always done. And Yahweh delivered justice on behalf of Daniel. So imparting the kingdom of God. Let me say this about where we are today. Because we're going to bring and give opportunity today for justice to be released on your behalf. In your life. In your home, in your job, in your relationship. Justice is coming to you today. So in the same way, imparting the kingdom of God into our community is more than meeting at a park on Sundays. It's an everyday thing. Imparting the kingdom of God into our communities. I was telling the team this morning, I struggled and shared with my wife, but there was a struggle in me, a point in me, where once we begin to tear down the walls, all, my, all that I was consumed with was how do we not meet in this building? It consumed me. What's next? Where's the next place? And to the point, it was beginning to be frustrating. Long story short, Holy Spirit said to me, you do not grow out of frustration. You grow out of peace. You cannot expect in a day or in a month what I want to do. Stay your course, Steve. Justice to this community and your purpose and the purpose of this house is coming from me. I issue the authority to bring justice. In my mind, when we were moving and the, the thought and the idea and the things Holy Spirit wanted to show us and what He wanted to change in us was beginning to be washed in the thought in the process of, man, where are we going next? Where are we meeting next? What place are we going to next? Begin to get lost in all of that. I'm going to tell you something today. We're going to do these things. But we're not going to do them because we say the last Sunday of every month we're doing this. We're not going to make law what, cannot, what law cannot produce. We're going to give opportunity. Holy Spirit, you tell us when and we're going to do it that way. Yeah. 
David prayed three times a day and gave thanks to God in the middle of everything and justice was released. There is a, I'm going to make this declaration, there is a justice for Central Florida that the Father wants to issue. And it's going to come through us. God doesn't want to judge Central Florida. He wants to bring justice to Central Florida. He's not trying to judge people that are out of relationship with him. He wants to bring justice. And the difference is judgment reminds us of all that we did wrong. Justice reminds us there's opportunity past that to do right and do good. This is where we are. So when I think about Daniel... And there's a lot of other stories that we could apply this to. We could apply that to the three Hebrew children. We go across the board. Where the father administered justice. The kind of justice that said, I've already released the answer. When you bring judgment, you bring that on your own. But when you make room for justice, he said, I can issue that and I can begin to undo or do what needs to be done. So in you today, in your life today, what things exist that you've been waiting on to be judged or bring judgment? Or maybe even you have been bringing judgment to it. And the Father today wants you to change your position and what you're expecting. Don't change your confidence in Him, but change how you expect an answer to that that is in your life. So you come to the place where the doors, the windows are open wide and you're looking to where you've always looked and you're, you're praying and you're declaring and you're prophesying and you're doing everything you know to do. And Yahweh brings justice. We teach, we learn, bless you. And we do whatever we do because most of the time it worked at one, one point in time. So we keep doing it over and over and over again. But when it doesn't work, when it stops working, let's say to the Father today, issue justice in this because I want this thing right. But this is the cool thing. When my wife and I were where we were, and we did that, I wielded that, what they called sword of justice. It doesn't have to be that. It could be your voice. But I wielded that sword of justice. And my wife said, I'm done. I'm not even thinking about this thing anymore. I'm not giving attention to this thing anymore. We're going to let Yahweh now do what he's been wanting to do. And as I said, we left there and on our way home, she gets a text the same day that he has already begun to do What we could have never done. We could have judged a thousand ways and never gotten the answer that came. In fact, when the answer came, we were both stunned by the answer. How incredible that answer was. Why am I telling you this today? Because today I want justice to come to places in your life. I want to follow up what Holy Spirit did last week. And we're going to allow Holy Spirit today to do in you what needs to be done. I'm going to encourage you to do this first of all. Stop trying to figure out if you're kneeling long enough or praying long enough or praying loud enough or reading enough Bible or talking to enough people 
or getting enough counseling. I'm going to encourage you to do this today. Do what you know to do. Do what, where your peace is. My peace wasn't in continually speaking to this situation. My peace was not in what's next, just running through my mind because suddenly my mind got caught up and my spirit was suppressed. But when you do what you know to do, He will administer justice in such a way that suddenly what you're doing, you see the fruit of the consistency of what you have faithfully been doing. Do you hear me today? Would you stand with me this morning, please? I want to refer back to Deuteronomy while you're standing and remind you of something. It said, all God's ways are justice. And I can tell you today that justice is always administered on behalf of His children. Look right at me. I want your undivided attention. I'm going to tell you today. Yahweh knows exactly what you're looking for. He knows exactly where you are. He knows you don't even need to tell Him all that you need today. He already knows it. You be faithful over what you've known to do. And I'm going to ask you to do something today. I'm going to ask you prophetically, in the same way last week we prophetically planted seed, today we're going to wield a sword of justice. And I want you to do it as you were holding this, whatever that looks like to you, a sword of justice in your hand. If you need, you've been waiting, you've been hoping for, you've been prophesying, you've been praying, you've been doing all these things and there's things in your life, you've been waiting on the answer to come, you've been waiting for the Father to release the direction, the instruction to supernaturally put things together, whatever it is, today. There's not justice in this thing you hold simply because you're holding it. There's justice in it because He gave it. He imparted justice to that thing. He has given you the ability to wield this thing and say things are changing. But this is what you're going to do. You're going to wield it and you're going to stop contemplating how bad it's going to be if this doesn't happen. You're going to stop thinking about if it doesn't work out what now? And you're going to do what you know to do. You're going to open your windows, look towards Jerusalem, you're going to prophesy, you're going to declare, and you're going to do what you know to do where your peace is. And you're not going to think, oh, woe is me, and, and wad up in a ball and say, these things, you have no idea what this is, and you're not going to do all of that. You're not doing that. You're not. You're not going to do that. You're not going to be thinking about all the ways it's going to fail, it's not going to work, the possibilities, the potentials. You're not thinking about that. You're going to do what you always do. In the middle of them wanting to put you in the lion's den, in the middle of all of that, you're simply going to say, I give thanks. Today I give thanks. You have, you have given the decree today that justice will be served. And I'm trusting that justice will be served in this situation, Father. I'm trusting you. So I give thanks. I'm going to do as Daniel did. I'm going to do what I've always done. I'm going to do what I know to do. I'm going to be as faithful to you as you have been to me. And you be glorified in it. So I want you to hold that in your hand today. There's 
doesn't have to be something supernatural, doesn't have to be anything super emotional, doesn't have to be any of that. It might be for you, it might not be for you. Whatever it is for you, I want it to be that, but I want you to hold that scepter of justice. If you're waiting for justice and you need justice in your life, you need the kind of justice only God can give. Only God can give. You don't want to be judging things anymore. Get, remove that from your, your list of to-do items. Get that off. Stop it. Take that scepter of justice right now and wave that. However you need to wave it. However you need to wave it. Father, I receive your justice. I receive your justice in this situation. I receive your justice. I'm declaring today that by your word and spirit, I'm not giving another thought to this thing. It is in your hand. 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 Amen. 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 Turn to somebody and strike hands with them in agreement this morning. Tell them I'm agreeing with you. I'm standing with you. Turn to somebody. Find somebody around you. I'm agreeing with you and standing with you today. Hallelujah. I tell you that story of Daniel, Daniel, (laughs) that story of Daniel is when I think of Daniel and I think of his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Bendigo, that wasn't their actual names, but that's what they were given. That's their Babylonian names, actually. That's not their God-given name. But when I think of the three Hebrew children and I think of Daniel, And I think of their relationship. I think of people who in circumstances that in every way seem like it is futile. There's no way out. What they had in common was this. In fact, the Hebrew children said this to the king. They said, whether he saves us or whether he doesn't, we are going to serve our God. Whether he brings us out of that fire or whether he doesn't, it will not change that we will serve our God. So the question isn't whether or not the Father wants to release justice in your lives and in your situation. The question is, are we willing to do what we know we need to be doing in order to receive that justice? Have we positioned ourselves behind the window? Have we positioned ourselves facing the right direction? Have we positioned ourselves in the right way to receive the justice that He wants to release? Don't find yourself in a place you shouldn't be when you should be in your upper chamber behind the window. So that justice can come. Justice did not and would not have come to Daniel. Had he gone into the king's presence. And pleaded. With the one who had issued judgment. He could have pleaded all day. With the one who had released judgment. And justice would have never come. But instead. He got out of the place where the mind said, this is the way. And he went to the place and did what he had always done. You've been faithful to me in my quiet place. You've been faithful to me on my mountain. Don't find yourself in Walmart. I'm just using a room. 
when you should be found in your upper chamber, positioned behind your window in that place that the Father has moved on your behalf every single time. Do you hear me today? Come on, let's put our hands together. Father, I'm so blessed today, honored. As we stand before you today, there's so much that you want to do. Would you pray with me with your eyes open, please, this morning? I want us to be aware of what he might want to do around us. But Father, help us. Help us to see. When I'm outside, and I'm using the word that we read in Daniel It's probably not the best word for today's generation, but I'm going to use it because we read that and I think it's appropriate. But Father, if we find ourselves outside of our chamber of peace, redirect our steps. If we find ourselves looking out the wrong window, turn our head. If we find ourselves being unfaithful, remind us how forgiving and loving you are. We honor you, Father. And I bless these not vagabonds, not orphans, not outcasts, but the sons and daughters that stand here today, children of Yahweh God. Be glorified. Amen. Amen and amen. I bless you today. I bless you today. I want to say to you that are watching online, if there are questions, any thoughts, anything you're uncertain about, we want to be here as much for you as we are for one another right here in Sanford, Florida. We are here for you. If there's something we can do to help you to grow, to learn, to change, We want to be faithful over that. We are not the kind of place that's happy you're here, but ignores you. We're not only happy you're here, you have a part here. So whatever that is, whatever, if there's a need you have or something that you want to do, you can be here. We invite you to come and we ask you to invite us to be a part of what the Father's doing in your life. We bless you. We thank you for your faithfulness. Amen and amen. Amen. Bless you.